ان الحمد لله نحمده ونستعينه ونستغفره ونعوذ بالله من شرور انفسنا وسيئات اعمالنا من يهده الله فلا مضل له ومن يضلل فلا هادي له واشهد ان لا اله الا الله وحده لا شريك له واشهد ان محمدا عبده ورسوله اما بعد So in the last lesson we had moved on to discussing the prophets and messengers iman in the prophets and messengers moving on from where we left off then we had been discussing or arrived at the chapter where we were going to discuss some of the names that are not agreed upon in terms of their prophethood there are certain names certain individuals that it is not agreed upon whether they are prophets or not and there is discussion amongst the scholars regarding whether they were prophets or not <coughs> with some of them there may be what is considered a rajih and the majority of the scholars may have a particular statement on it but our purpose is to mention those where discussion exists and some doubt existed so the first one here then is dhul qarnain dhul qarnain ذكر الله خبر ذي القرنين في آخر سورة الكهف At the end of Surah Al-Kahf you have ذو القرنين mentioned Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala said that he addressed ذو القرنين قلنا يا ذا القرنين إِمَّا أَن تُعَذِّبَ وَإِمَّا أَن تَتَّخِذَ فِيهِمْ حُسْنًا قُلْنَا يَا ذَا الْقَرْنَيْنَ We said, O ذا الْقَرْنَيْنَ So it shows in the Qur'an that ذا الْقَرْنَيْنَ was addressed by Allah. Does that mean in of itself that he was therefore a prophet to have been addressed by Allah as Allah tells us in the Quran it's something the scholars have debated over the fact that he was addressed by Allah then that indicates something because it is not everybody every average person who is addressed by Allah the fact that he was addressed by Allah then that certainly indicates something special but does it mean he was directly addressed by Allah or was he addressed by Allah via a prophet that may have been there that is where the discussion exists but certainly the fact that he was addressed by allah is a big indicator 
It's just a question of whether that was directly addressing him or via a prophet. So some discussion exists on that. Dhul Qarnain. Secondly, Tubba'. Tubba'. Again, it is mentioned in the Quran, the mentioning of Tubba'. أَهُمْ خَيْرٌ أَمْ قَوْمُ تُبَّعُ وَالَّذِينَ مِنْ قَبْلِهِمْ أَهْلَكْنَاهُمْ إِنَّهُمْ كَانُوا مُجْرِمِينَ Similarly, كَذَّبَتْ قَبْلَهُمْ قَوْمُ نُوحٍ وَأَصْحَابُ الرَّسِّ وَثَمُودِ وَعَادِ وفرعون وإخوان لوط وأصحاب الأيكة وقوم تبع كل كذب الرسول فحق وعيد The first mentioning was in الدخان 37 and the second mentioning was in قاف 12 and 14 12 to 14 In these two ayahs you can see that the name Tubba' is being referenced. The people of Tubba' قَوْمُ Tubba' أَهُمْ خَيْرٌ أَمْ قَوْمُ Tubba' وَالَّذِينَ مِنْ قَبْلِهِمْ The people of Tubba' So who was Tubba' being mentioned in the Qur'an? The people of Tubba' So again it seems to indicate that Tubba' is somebody of station, of status, of rank, being mentioned here in reference to his people, the people of Tubba'. So again there is discussion uh, regarding whether he was a prophet, because it mentions in these ayat how his people were destroyed. So is it the case that he was a prophet sent to those people, who rejected him, and as a consequence, they were destroyed, as mentioned in the Qur'an, that the people of Tubba' were destroyed. Scholars have debated, does that mean Tubba' was a prophet sent to them, and they rejected him, and that's why the Qur'an is telling us his people were destroyed? Maybe so that is again something that discussion has revolved around whether Tubba' is one of the prophets or not. Then there is a narration that some of the scholars have authenticated. A narration that some of the scholars have authenticated. And that is where the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam said, مَا أَدْرِي أَتُبَّعْ نَبِيًّا أَمْ لَا I don't know. Is Tubba' a prophet or not? A hadith where the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam said, I don't know. Tubba' Is he a prophet or not? وَمَا أَدْرِي And I don't know. ذُو الْقَرْنَيْنِ ذُو الْقَرْنَيْنِ 
Nabiyan Amla, is he a prophet or not? Some of the scholars, they authenticate this narration. Based upon the authenticity of the narration, it will therefore indicate that we are not able to say conclusively whether Dhul Qarnayn and Tubba' were indeed from the prophets or not. Then number three, in the story of Musa alayhi salam, who are we discussing as number three? Khidr. Was he a prophet or not? <coughs> Was Khidr a prophet or not? Yes? No. Difference of opinion. So what's your opinion? He's not. Khidr is not a prophet. So he was so Khidr was given as a reference point for Musa alayhi salam to go to and to take some knowledge from. Musa alayhi salam, one of the greatest messengers ever, was sent to somebody else to get knowledge from. What could possibly be the status of that person then? And Musa alayhi salam is not Waliullah. And Musa was one of the greatest messengers ever. So that would therefore seem to indicate that Khidr must have surely also been a prophet. These are all evidences you're giving that indicate he was a prophet. But everything everybody's mentioned so far is indicating that Khidr was a prophet. Yet nobody was really saying that he's a prophet. So let's have a look. Al Khidr, who al Abdul Salih, Alladhi Rahila ilayhi Musa, liyatluba minhu ilma. Al Khidr, that righteous servant whom Musa alayhi salam traveled to. To seek some knowledge. وَقَدْ حَدَّثَنَا اللَّهُ عَنْ خَبَرِهِمَا فِي سُورَةِ الْكَهْفِ The story about that is mentioned in Surah Al-Kahf. It would appear, as some of the scholars have said, and like we said, it is an issue of discussion. It is an issue of discussion. Whether Khidr was definitely a prophet or not. There are indicators that would indicate his prophethood. There are certainly some indicators that would point towards the fact that he was a prophet. Definitively, no, but indicators leading to that point. What are these indicators that would point to the fact that he was a prophet? Number one, in Surah Al-Kahf, Ayah 65, فَوَجَدَ عَبَدًا مِّنْ عِبَادِنَا 
آتيناهُ رحمةً من عندنا وعلمناهُ من لدنا علمًا. In this ayah, Allah mentions giving Khidr رحمةً من عندنا. A mercy from ourselves. That Khidr was given a mercy from Allah. And عَلَّمْنَاهُ مِنْ لَدُنَّا عِلْمًا And Allah says, we taught him from the knowledge from ourselves, from the knowledge Allah taught him. These two points in this ayah, that he was given a mercy from Allah, and he was taught knowledge from Allah. Some of the scholars in their tafsir have mentioned that the mercy that he was given may be in reference to prophethood. That he was given prophethood, nubuwa. And that is of course obviously a mercy from Allah to be given prophethood. Some of the scholars say that ayah, that mercy that he was given, mentioned in the ayah, could be in reference to prophethood. That the mercy is the prophethood he was given. And the knowledge that Allah taught him, that is more obvious. The knowledge that Allah taught him would therefore be the revelation, the the book, the revelation that he was given. So that ayah there seems to indicate the prophethood of Khidr. The rahmah, the mercy, could be in reference to the prophethood he was given. And the knowledge that Allah taught him could be in reference to the revelation he was given. Second evidence that indicates his prophethood is in Al-Kahf from 66 to 70. 66 to 70. When Musa alayhi salam says to him, هَلْ أَتَّبِعُكَ عَلَىٰ أَن تُعَلِّمَنِي مِمَّا عُلِّمْتَ رُشْدًا قَالَ إِنَّكَ لَنْ تَسْتَطِيعَ مَعِيَ صَبْرًا وَكَيْفَ تَصْبِرُ عَلَىٰ مَا لَمْ تُحِطْ بِهِ خُبْرًا قَالَ سَتَجِدُنِي إِنْ شَاءَ اللَّهُ صَابِرًا وَلَا أَعْصِي لَكَ أَمْرًا قال فإن اتبعتني فلا تسألني عن شيء حتى أحدث لك منه ذكرا In these ayat it indicates indicates the prophethood of Khidr through the fact the very fact that the greatest messenger of the time, the greatest messenger from all of the messengers, the third greatest messenger, had such a great desire to go and find Khidr. He was told to go and find Khidr, to go and take some knowledge from him. And yet Musa salam, third greatest messenger of all time, it doesn't appear to fit 
to say that Musa salam with all of his status was sent to just a normal person. A wali he may have been, but a normal person. Surely that other person must have been at least somewhere comparable to Musa salam for Musa salam to be sent to him. I.e., surely this man must have had something from revelation in terms of knowledge. Otherwise, Musa salam, a messenger getting revelation from Allah, yet he needs to go to a person who has no revelation from Allah for knowledge. The scholars say that doesn't seem to add up. That doesn't seem to add up. The fact that Musa salam, was sent to him for knowledge, and Musa salam, himself was a messenger gaining revelation from Allah, would indicate that he must have had some revelation too then. It doesn't really make sense that Musa alayhi salam being given revelation needs to go to a normal person for knowledge. So the scholars say that would indicate that Khidr was a prophet. Also they say, and this is one of those, it is said, it is not something definitive, it is said that Musa alayhi salam searched for him for how long until he found him. As they say, they say some of them, and it is said, we emphasize that it is said that Musa salam searched for 80 years until he found Khidr. They say if that is true, it shows the level of importance Khidr had that Musa salam searched for so long until he finally found him. Surely he must have had something important from knowledge. Surely it must have been something from revelation. So those are just pointers, indicators, that perhaps the uh, uh, Khidr had prophethood also. Third evidence, that perhaps indicates the prophethood of Khidr also, is the fact that Khidr was about to kill that boy. That he was about to kill that boy. And al Khidr aqdama ala qatli thalika al ghulam. Wa ma thaka illa lil wahi ilayhi. And that is not something he could just go and do and say, well, maybe this, maybe that, I think we need to kill him. No way. For something like that, it had to have been revelation. He couldn't have known otherwise. He couldn't have known otherwise to go and do that. That must have come to him via revelation. So that is an indicator. He mentions it was decreed by Allah. So that fits in that it must have been via revelation to him. How else and what else could that mean? So that is why many of the scholars do lean towards saying that he was a prophet. It was revelation given to him because these are not actions he could have done and explained without revelation. They are not actions he could have done or explained without revelation. Fourthly, well, 
it's broken up into the fourth part. The fourth part is that, that the actions he carried out, he could not have explained them without revelation. Point three was the fact that he was about to kill the boy and that could not have been done. That's not something he could have done without revelation. He couldn't have just decided that himself. And then the fourth point, generally his actions and everything that occurred and what happened and his explanations of them all, that is not something he could have just made up himself. That all must have been revelation also. So those four points on the whole generally, scholars do mention them to indicate and lean towards the fact that Khidr was indeed a prophet. And that does bring us to a point, and that is that we cannot affirm the prophethood, the messengership of anyone unless we have absolute proof upon it. There are names of messengers, prophets mentioned in the Qur'an, absolutely clear. There are others that we may be aware of, absolutely clear. Where it's not, then we cannot affirm prophethood or messengership uh, unless there is established evidence. So we cannot rely upon, in particular, the issue here being Israeliyat. The stories that were narrated from Bani Israel regarding various prophets and messengers. We cannot just rely upon that generally. It requires a bit more before being able to affirm the prophethood of a given person or not. Then the next section here, a few small sub-chapters to round off the section regarding the belief in the prophets and messengers. Some small statements of Ibn al-Qayyim, rahimahullah ta'ala, where he speaks about the need of mankind to the prophets and messengers. We've mentioned before the statement of Ibn Taymiyyah, rahimahullah ta'ala. When Ibn Taymiyyah, he mentioned there are two types of wasila. There are two types of wasila. Wasila, a means, an intermediary. There are two types. One type, you have to have iman in it. If you don't, then that's kufr. You must have iman in one of the types of the wasila. The other one, you must disbelieve in. If you believe in the other one, that's kufr. One of them, you must believe in. If you don't, it's kufr. The other one, you must disbelieve in. If you believe in it, it's kufr. What is the type that you must disbelieve in? If you believe in it, it becomes kufr. The wasila of the mushrikun. What was the wasila of the mushrikun? Going to the graves of the dead, calling upon the people who are deceased, even calling upon the Prophet ﷺ now, calling upon angels. All of those intermediaries, all of that shafa'ah, all of that wasila that they try, that's kufr. Calling upon the dead and calling upon others besides Allah. Ibn Taymiyyah, when he was saying, there is a wasila you must disbelieve in, that's what he's talking about. That is a false wasila, calling upon the dead and calling upon 
uh, the prophets and angels and whomsoever, that you must disbelieve in and not do. If you do that and believe in it, kufr, calling upon the dead, etc. So what's the other type of wasila that you must believe in? If you don't, it will be kufr. There is another type of intermediary that you must believe in, and that Ibn Taymiyyah was referring to. Here in this topic, the prophets and messengers. The intermediary, the wasila of the prophets and messengers. But how? Sort of. The fact that the revelation has come to us, how? Did the, did the revelation come to us all individually? Did Jibreel come to every single Muslim individually with the Qur'an, with the teaching, with the sunnah, individually? So how did we get the Qur'an and the sunnah if Jibreel did not come to all of us one by one? We got it all via the Prophet Muhammad wasallam and the people of Musa wasallam. How did they get the religion of Tawheed? Via Musa wasallam, the people of Isa wasallam, via Isa wasallam. So all of the people throughout history they have got this revelation, this message via their prophets and messengers. The revelation comes to the prophet or the messenger. He then passes it and disseminates it onto the people. So in that way of the revelation initially coming to us, it comes through the prophets and messengers to us all. So in that way, they are a wasila for us. They are the means and the intermediary through which the revelation came to us. You must believe in that. If you reject in that, you reject the prophets and messengers, you reject the wasila of the revelation coming to us via them, then what revelation have you got and what guidance have you got? It came through them. If you reject that, kufr, kafir then. So this is what Ibn Taymiyyah meant. You must affirm the wasila of the prophets and messengers in terms of the revelation coming via them to us. And you must reject the wasila of the mushrikun, the means and the intermediary they refer to, by calling upon the dead and the deceased and calling upon others besides Allah for intercession and for intermediary. Now we come to the statement of Ibn al-Qayyim then, and he talks about the need we have to the prophets and messengers. When we studied the three fundamental principles years ago, 2012-13, here, we discussed when we came to the third principle, that the third principle which is knowing the Prophet Muhammad that third principle is vital because without it, you would not know principle number one or principle number two. Principle number one talks about Allah. Principle number two talks about our religion. How would you know about Allah? How would you know about your religion? Without it coming to us via the Prophet Muhammad So without knowing who your Prophet is, then how are you going to know who your Lord is and what your religion is? 
Hence they say principle three is vital also. Because without it, you would not have principle one and two. So here Ibn Qayyim speaks about this fact, the importance of the prophets and the messengers. وَمِنْهَا هُنَا تَعْلَمْ اَذْفَرَارَ الْعِبَادِ فَوْقَ كُلِّ ضُرُورَةِ إِلَى مَعْرِفَةِ الرَّسُولِ He says, now you understand the necessity of us, the servants, over and above all other necessities and needs, to know the Messenger sallallahu alayhi wasallam, Because only through him will we know who Allah is and what our religion is. وَمَا جَاءَ بِهِ What he came with. وَتَصْدِيقُهُ فِيمَا أَخْبَرَ بِهِ And to believe in all of what he informed us of. وَطَاعَتُهُ فِيمَا أَمَرَ and obedience to him in what he commanded. فَإِنَّهُ لَا سَبِيلَ إِلَى السَّعَادَةِ وَالْفَلَاحِ لَا فِي الدُّنْيَا وَلَا فِي الْآخِرَةِ إِلَّا عَلَىٰ أَيْدِ الرُّسُلِ He said, there is no pathway to happiness and success, neither in this world nor for the afterlife, except through the prophets and messengers, except through the messengers. وَلَا سَبِيلَ إِلَى مَعْرِفَةِ الطَّيِّبِ وَالْخَبِيثِ عَلَى التَّفْصِيلِ إِلَّا مِنْ جِهَتِهِمْ And there is no way for you to know what is good and what is bad, except through the messengers. They are the ones who came to us with the revelation from Allah. Then he goes on to say, وَلَا يُنَالُ رِضَ اللَّهِ أَلْبَتَّهِ إِلَّا عَلَىٰ أَيْدِيهِمْ You will never achieve the pleasure of Allah except through them, except through the, pro- the prophets and messengers. فَالطَّيِّبْ مِنَ الْأَعْمَالِ وَالْأَقْوَالِ وَالْأَخْلَاقِ لَيْسَ إِلَّا هَدْيُهُمْ وَمَا جَاءُوا بِهِ The good actions and statements and morals and manners, you would not know what they are except through them, the guidance that they taught us, the revelation that came, teaching us what the good actions are and what the good behaviors are and statements are. فَهُمْ الْمِيزَانَ الرَّاجِحِ So they are the criteria. They are the criteria. الَّذِي عَلَىٰ أَقْوَالِهِمْ وَأَعْمَالِهِمْ وَأَخْلَاقِهِمْ تُوزَنُوا الْأَخْلَاقُ وَالْأَعْمَالِ Your actions and statements and behaviors, all of them are balanced up against the criteria they set. If it is in line with what they came with and taught, then you know you're doing good. If you are in opposition to what they came with and taught, the revelation that they came with and taught, you're in opposition to it, then you know you're not in the good. وَبِمُتَابَعَتِهِمْ يَتَمَيَّزُ أَهْلِ الْهُدَى مِنْ أَهْلِ الضَّلَالِ And by following them, the distinction occurs between the people of guidance and people of misguidance. 
Those who are following them and upon their path, they are the guided. Those who are opposing the prophets and messengers are the misguided. فَالضُّرُورَةِ إِلَيْهِمْ أَعْظَمُ مِنْ ضُرُورَةِ الْبَدْنِ إِلَى So the need for them, our need for them, to them, is greater than our need to our souls. وَالْعَيْنِ إِلَى نُورِهَا And the need of the eye for light. Because the eye can only see with light. وَالْرُوحِ إِلَى حَيَاتِهَا and the soul to its life. فَأَيُّ ضُرُورَةٍ وَحَاجَةٍ فُرِضَتْ فَضُرُورَةُ الْعَبْدِ وَحَاجَتُهُ إِلَى الرُّسُلِ فَوْقَهَا بِكَثِيرٍ He says, whatever need you can think of, whatever need you can hypothetically imagine, أَيَّ ضُرُورَ وَحَاجَةٍ فُرِضَتْ then the need of a servant to the messengers is going to be far superior to that need. <coughs> Whatever need you can think of, the need we have to the prophets and messengers is going to be far superior to that need. So that is the statement of Ibn al-Qayyim highlighting how important it is to recognize the prophets and messengers and to understand our level of need to the prophets and messengers. Uh, up to that point, it covers the main sections. The last chapter we'll mention on the prophets and messengers is regarding the fact that they were human to dispel any of the doubts of the people who are misguided in claiming that the prophets and messengers were superhuman. In particular, they say about the Prophet ﷺ that he was more than human. He was made out of light as they claim. And as a consequence of that, they say when he walked in the sun, he had no... Shadow because he was made out of light. So they claim all of these claims. Yet we know that the prophets and messengers were human. They were human like us in those regards. They ate and they drank and they married, etc. So we'll have a look at a few points on that to round off this topic of Iman in the prophets and messengers. So from the points that indicate they were human, the fact that they ate and they drank and they slept and they married and they had children. Exactly like all the rest of us do. We eat, we drink, we sleep, we marry, we have children. All of that just like the humans as they are, the prophets and messengers, they were Secondly, تعرض الأنبياء للبلاء We face tests and trials, difficulties in life. Exactly the same, the prophets and messengers, they were not superhuman, they also experienced trials.
trials and tests and difficulties. In fact, as the narration mentions, إن أشد الناس ابتلاء الأنبياء ثم الأمثل فالأمثل The most tested of the people, the most tests and trials were upon the prophets, then those who are most like them and those who are most like them. Thirdly, another point that indicates they were not superhuman or something different to the rest of the servants in that regard, the fact that they used to worship Allah just as we have to worship Allah. They were not, as some of the Sufis claim now, that they have imams who are awliya of Allah to such an extent that they are now exempt from the worship of Allah. That's what they claim. Some of the Sufis, they claim they have their leaders, their imams who are of such a level now that they are exempt from the worship. Just as one of their famous ones used to say, from Cyprus, he used to claim that the angels came to him and they said to him, you have reached such a level that we are no longer writing your deeds anymore. Do as you please. We are no longer writing your deeds, you've reached such a level. MashaAllah, yet the prophets and the messengers and the sahaba never ever managed to get to this level. So we say as another evidence that the prophets were the same as us in this regard. They used to worship Allah just as we do. And in fact, they used to worship Allah more than we do. More than even what we do. If they were superior to us and they were as the Sufis claim, reaching such a level above humans, then they wouldn't need to. Yet they did even more than we can manage. Such was their level of worship and obedience to Allah. It's mentioned about the Prophet ﷺ, when he used to pray that his feet would become swollen, his feet would become swollen and blistered until Aisha radiallahu anha said, your past sins have been forgiven, your future sins have been forgiven. Then why to this extent of worship your feet swollen and blistered? Your sins are forgiven, past and future. Why this level and this amount of worship then? So the Prophet ﷺ said, in varying narrations, I love that I should be a grateful servant to Allah. I love that I should be an obedient servant to Allah, a thankful servant of Allah. So they used to worship Allah just as we do, and that is another proof. Also, <coughs> they did not have knowledge of the unseen. Again, this is a claim that will be made by the people who have gone astray, that the prophets and messengers had knowledge of the unseen. They had knowledge of the unseen in a limited capacity, i.e. what Allah allowed them and gave them anyway. The Prophet ﷺ, told us about some of the affairs of the unseen. So he was informed about some affairs of the unseen, but they are restricted and specific. So for example, about the Day of Judgment, all of the things that are going to happen on the Day of Judgment, the signs of the Day of Judgment, the Barzakh, all of these are from the 
unseen, but that is specific knowledge that Allah gave the Prophet ﷺ to say that the Prophet ﷺ on, a, on an open level had knowledge of the unseen is incorrect. Only what Allah taught him, not openly knowledge of the unseen of everything. And that's why in the Quran it's mentioned that the Prophet ﷺ said, "Lo kuntu a'lamu al-ghayb, lastakthartu min al-khayr, wa ma masani al-su." If I had knowledge of the unseen, if I had knowledge of the unseen, then I would have done much good, and no harm would have ever come to me. If you have knowledge of the unseen, you'll always know what to avoid. You'll always know where not to go and what not to do. You have knowledge of the unseen. The Prophet ﷺ mentioned, if I had knowledge of the unseen, no harm would have ever come to me, because he would know what to do and where to go and what he would know. No harm would have ever come to me in that case, and I would have done much more goodness. Yet harm did come to him. Tests and trials did occur to him. In the Battle of Uhud, they mentioned the example. He was struck by a missile from the kuffar. Struck by a missile from the kuffar. Missile we mean some projectile. And it struck him that his helmet became dented. The helmet became dented and his teeth were broken and he fell down into a pit. If he had knowledge of the unseen, would he have been stood there for the projectile to hit him? So certainly we say that the prophets and messengers didn't have knowledge of the unseen. Knowledge of the unseen is with Allah alone. That's why when we say the testimony, أَشْهَدُ أَنَّ مُحَمَّدًا عَبْدُهُ وَرَسُولُهُ I bear testimony that Muhammad is the servant of Allah and his messenger. Very important both parts. You affirm that he is the servant of Allah, i.e. that you understand he was not made out of light and walked without a shadow and all of these things that the people make up. You understand he was a servant of Allah, human like us. Yet at the same time you affirm though he was a messenger. And that is the balanced path of Ahlul Sunnah always. Refuting those people who go to extremes in saying he was made out of light, you say no. Ashhadu annahu abdullah. You testify that he was the servant of Allah. But then also refute the people who do not follow the Sunnah and are in negligence. You tell them he is Rasulullah, Messenger of Allah that you must follow. So the testimony becomes very important in both parts. So that is the overall section then we'll round off on regarding the iman in the prophets and messengers. From the next session, we'll begin with iman in the day of judgment. Iman in the day of judgment. And it depends how you want to do it. Either you can do it in detail, where we break down all of the sections of the Day of Judgment, all of the different things that happen in the grave, on the blowing of the trumpet, the resurrection, the angels, the soul, the weighing scale, the the pond, the bridge, everything broken down in detail. If you do that, it will take eight weeks, eight sessions. 
minimum. If you summarize, one, two sessions. If you do it detail, then we'll do it in eight sessions. It will be a full detailed breakdown, breakdown of what happens from the moment of death all the way up until paradise or hell. All of those events. So inshallah ta'ala then, we'll do that. From next session, the iman in the day of judgment, we'll do it broken down, all of the sections, and it will take approximately eight sessions to break it all down part by part up until the final section, paradise and hell. And then at the end, we'll do the belief in the decree to round off this series, inshallah ta'ala. Hmm. The Prophet Ah, ah, ah. Allah alam about the other prophets, but this indicates it was specific to the Prophet ﷺ the way the narration is. Allah, that Allah aided me upon my jinn and he became Muslim. It would indicate it was specific to him in that regard, but perhaps that is something general to prophets and messengers. Allah alam doesn't mention it in the narration. It could maybe be assumed, but then that would be an assumption only and discussion only. Anything else before we round off?